Ezekiel chapter 32, and uh, this is the last, the last message to Egypt and the last prophecy. And if you, many of your Bibles perhaps say a lamentation over Egypt. A lamentation, the word for lamentation is actually a funeral dirge. And so we have been working through the book of Ezekiel. God has been pouring out His wrath or giving a prophecy about pouring out His wrath on those nations who were <clears throat> uh, independent of Him, who rejected Him, who were arrogant and proud and went against the nation of Israel. And this is the last message to Egypt. Now, there's three divisions in this text tonight, and we'll break them down. The first division it occurs in verses 1 through 11. The second division is in verses 12 through 16, and then the last division is 17 through 32. And we'll, we'll break it down for you, and we'll go verse by verse. So let's go verse 1, chapter 32. And it came to pass in the twelfth year, in the twelfth month, in the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, some estimate this to be around March 585 B.C. This was a one year and two, uh, seven months, excuse me, one year and seven months after the fall of Jerusalem is when this has taken place. Now notice what he says here, verse 2. Son of man, he is speaking to Ezekiel. Remember, Ezekiel was that one who had a dual role. He was both a prophet and a priest. Uh, remember, prophets and priests represent God to man and man to God. A dual role. And so God comes to him and he says, Son of man, take up a lamentation. There's that word lamentation, a funeral dirge. Take up a funeral dirge for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and say unto him, this is what I want you to say to him. This is the last message unto this Pharaoh. Notice he says, Thou art like a young lion of the nations. In other words, God is saying, You think you're a young lion amongst all these nations. Now you know that the lion is the king of the jungle. And there's something to be said about the king of the jungle. This man thinks he is something, but really he's nothing. God says you're a whale. You're a sea monster. You're not a lion. You're a sea monster. Look what he says there. He says, A young lion of the nations, and thou art as a whale in the seas. You're nothing but a sea monster. Now, I have seen many people use a lion as their mascot, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody use a whale as their mascot. I mean, it's not something that people who are proud go around boasting and saying, I'm a whale. You know, they don't do that. And so God says, you're a sea monster. And uh, notice what he says about him. You're a sea monster, and thou camest forth with the rivers and troublest the waters. You're muddying up the waters with your feet and foulest the rivers. They're rivers. How was this Pharaoh muddying up? Well, he was against God. He was arrogant. He was proud. And he muddied the waters through all of their pagan, ritualistic, religious efforts and things that they did. They muddied up the waters. And God has taken issue with this. And he says, thus saith the Lord God, verse 3, I will therefore spread out my net over thee with a company of many people, and they shall bring thee up in my net. God says, listen, you're a sea monster and you think you're something, I mean, you think you're a lion, but you're a sea monster. And that's not a good description. And he says, but I'm going to bring my net upon you. I'm going to catch you. I'm going to catch you. This, there's no chance of you escaping. If you've ever been in a net, if you've ever seen a fish in a net, 
Now, typically, I understand that they used to harpoon whales or they would catch them with a hook. They really didn't catch whales with a net, but God's net is fail-proof. God's net is not going to break. And what God is saying is He is going to capture them, He is going to take him captive, and He is not going to let him go. I'm going to catch you in my net. Look at verse 4. Then will I leave thee up on the land. I will cast thee forth upon the open field and will cause all the fowls of heaven to remain upon thee and I will fill the beasts of the whole earth with thee. You and I know that a fish cannot live out of water. God is saying, I'm going to take you out of water, out of your environment, where you live, where you can breathe, and I am going to kill you. I'm going to put you on the land, and I'm going to leave you there, and the birds are going to come and feed off of you. That's not a very pleasant picture, is it? But notice what else he says in regards to this. Look at verse 5. And I will lay the flesh upon the mountains and fill the valleys with my height. Verse 6. I will also water with thy blood the land wherein thou swimmest even to the mountains and the rivers shall be full of thee. In other words, he's saying the blood is going to flow. Now, I want to pause right here and I want to tell you. I believe, this is my belief, and I cannot prove it. Uh, this is my opinion, and I'll tell you why it's my opinion. I believe that ultimate the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy will happen in the tribulation period. Now, in a moment, you're going to see where he's going to use Nebuchadnezzar to kick all this off and, and he'll come in and destroy him. I think that was just a shadow of the wrath of God that is to come. In other words, it is pointing to a more severe judgment where there is a evil Babylon that will come with an antichrist ruler and will... God will pour out His wrath. And remember in Revelation where it talks about the blood will be to the bits of the horse's mouth? You know that in Revelation chapter 8, some of this stuff that we're seeing here is, is portrayed during the tribulation period. And so what Ezekiel is seeing is God is giving him this prophecy of the future of what's going to happen to the nation of Egypt. Not only the nation of Egypt, you'll see, but all those other pagan nations that refused him and rejected him. He says, The blood will flow like rivers. Verse 7, And when I shall put thee out, I will cover the heaven, and will make the stars thereof dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud, and the moon shall not give her light. All the bright lights of heaven will I make dark over thee, and set darkness upon the land, saith the Lord God. If you would go to Revelation 8, you would see in there that during the tribulation period, the, it's darkened. The, the light is darkened. And so we see this, this picture. God is telling Ezekiel to tell Pharaoh this is what's going to happen. This is the trouble that's coming. In verse 7 he says, I will extinguish you. You will be no more. I shall put thee out. I will extinguish you. You know a candle, when you put a candle out, candle out, you extinguish it. It's gone. There's no flame. It's out. There's no life in it. It's gone. It's nothing. And that's what God said He will do. Look at verse 9. I will also vex the hearts of many people when I shall bring thy destruction among the nations and to the countries which thou hast known. Yea, I will make many people amazed at thee, and their kings shall be horribly afraid for thee when I shall brandish my sword before them, and they shall tremble at every moment, every man for his own life in the day of the fall. For thus saith the Lord God. We're not going to go to verse 11. We'll stop at verse 10. Let me say this. 
Why do I think that he's talking about the tribulation period? Because number one, there's no recorded event of Egypt where Egypt was completely wiped out and all the people were fed bird food. All the people were not fed bird food, but they were became bird food. The blood has not flowed. There's nothing in history that says the blood will not flow, but we know in the tribulation it will. We know for a fact that not all of the nations were amazed or astonished or astounded at the fall of Egypt. There's people who didn't, when Nebuchadnezzar came in and wiped out Egypt, there were people on the other side of the country that had no clue what was going on. So, he says, everyone will be amazed and they'll be horribly afraid. And look at the last part of verse 10. And every man will fear for his own life in the day of thy fall. Now, think about this. And I, I believe in prophecy and I'm not getting political. Just think about this. How is it that everyone could know and be afraid of their own lives by seeing this fall? I'll tell you how. Technology. Did you catch last night in the uh, president's speech about repairing infrastructure and making sure that every place has Internet access? Interesting. Everybody in every place, even in the rural areas that can't get high-speed Internet, one day will have high-speed Internet, and they will be able, with the click of a button they'll be able to know what's going on around the world. They can see this great fall. But I don't believe that that will happen until the tribulation period comes. When the tribulation period comes and all this happens, you know, how we know about the two witnesses. Remember the two witnesses that lie dead in the street for two days and they're resurrected? And all the world sees them? How? Hello, technology. You can't do anything in secret today. Right? Uh, I think that we can see that God gives this prophecy of what's going to happen in, those, in that tribulation period. Now we come to the second division. God, I believe, is going to kick this off with Nebuchadnezzar. And when Nebuchadnezzar went in and destroyed Egypt. Now, he totally didn't destroy Egypt because Egypt is still a nation. So I, that's why I think that it was a, a picture, a foreshadowing of the wrath to come. Notice in verse 11, For thus saith the Lord God, The sword of the king of Babylon shall come upon thee. How will he come upon thee? What will he use? What will he do? Verse 12, By the swords of the mighty will I cause thy multitude to fall, the terrible of the nations, of all them, and they shall spoil the pomp, the pride, the arrogance of Egypt. And all the multitude thereof shall be destroyed. You know, <clears throat> there has perhaps been no more of an enemy to Israel than Egypt. Even when it seemed like they were getting along, they were not. It was for Egypt was doing it for its own benefit. For 400 years, Israel was captive in Egypt. They were slaves to Egypt. And every since, remember when they were let out, the Exodus, and they were let out, and Pharaoh and all his armies were wiped out. Ever since then, they've been an enemy 
to Israel. And notice what he says there. He says, I will cause the multitude to fall, the terrible of the nations of all them, and they shall spoil all the pomp of Egypt. Your pride, you're going down. You won't be respected. You won't be powerful. You won't be anything. Verse 13, I will destroy also the beasts thereof from beside the great waters. Do you know, I did not know this, but do you know that cattle is a big deal in Egypt? I just did some survey. I went online and I found, uh, looking, I thought, is there really cattle in Egypt? I think of Egypt as this desert. Do you know that as a, uh, this is an actual statistic, I got it off the internet there, at one of the um, world uh, farming statistics, that in as of August 2, 2015, there were 4,950,000 cattle in Egypt. That's a bunch of cows. They worship cows. Some of them eat cows and they sell cows. They have a thriving cattle industry. And he says this, This beast is the cow. I will destroy also the cattle thereof from beside the great waters. Neither shall the foot of man trouble them any more, nor the hoofs of the beast trouble them. In other words, they will not go in muddy up the water. He will not only take care of them, he'll take care of their cattle. He'll wipe them out. He'll devastate them. They'll come, the cattle industry will come crashing down. Look at verse 14. Then will I make their waters deep and cause their rivers to run like oil, saith the Lord God. I thought oil, does that mean it's going to be black and thick? No, it means, as I looked it up and read other commentators, it means that it will be undisturbed, it will be desolate, it will be calm, it will be placid. Why? Because of the death of the humans and the cattle. It'll just be still. An eerie still. 15. When I shall make the land of Egypt desolate and the country shall be destitute of whereof it was full, when I shall smite all them that dwell therein, then shall they know that I am the Lord. Does all of Egypt and all the world know that He is the Lord? Capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah? No. They still say that God is not their God. They worship Allah. They create their own God. So, again, even though Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon had a, a campaign against Egypt, he's ultimately talking about the tribulation period. Notice in verse 16, this is the lamentation. This is the lamentation. This is the funeral dirge, with they shall lament her. The daughters of the nations, nations, plural, the heathen nations, the Arabs, if you will, shall lament for her, even Egypt, and for all her multitudes, saith the Lord God. Here's the third division. Here's the third division. Verse 17, It shall come to pass also in the twelfth year, in the fifteenth day, literally, about two weeks later than verse 1 of the month that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, here's another one, Son of man, well, this third division, Ezekiel is given a description of hell. He's given a description of hell. And it's not an exhaustive description, it's not a complete description of hell, but it's a description that they would understand. And, and notice what he says there in verse 18, Son of man, well... For the multitude of Egypt. Hell is a place of wailing. 
Remember? Wailing and gnashing of teeth. And cast them down, even her and the daughters of the famous nations, unto the nether parts of the earth, with them that go down into the pit. God is telling Ezekiel to wail for them because they're going to hell. Look at verse 19. Whom dost thou pass in beauty? Go down and be thou laid with the uncircumcised. The heathen. They shall fall in the midst of them that are slain by the sword. She is delivered to the sword. Draw her and all her multitudes. All the heathen are gathered together in hell. Look at verse 21. The strong among the mighty shall speak to him out of the midst of hell with them that help him. They are gone down. They lie uncircumcised, slain by the sword. Now, some people will tell you that word translated hell is sheol. It just means grave. But I tell you that how can you gather multitudes in one grave? You can't. All the heathen will be gathered together in hell. Now notice what he's going to say here. Verse 22. Asher, we believe that is Assyria, is there. Assyria is hard to find. If you look at your Bible maps and you look at it, it's hard to find. But many scholars believe that Assyria was modern day Iran. Now watch this. This is I can't make this stuff up, guys. This is too good. Asher, which is Assyria, which is Iran, is there in hell, and all her company, his graves are about him, all them slain fallen by the sword, whose graves are set in the sides of the pit, and her company is round about her grave, all of them slain fallen by the sword, which what? Caused terror. Who right now is the number one cause and sponsor of terror? Is it not Iran? And not just Iran, but he goes and looks at verse 24, Elam. You know, Elam at that time would be the southwestern part of Iran. And the multitude round about her grave of all them slain, fallen by the sword, which are gone down uncircumcised into the nether parts of the earth, which cause what? Terror in the land of the living. We see this terror over and over and over again. And what God is saying is all these Arab nations that are notorious for terrorism, when judgment comes in the great tribulation period and all of these people and the multitudes are gathered together in hell, they will be there in hell. Now we want justice today, but let me tell you, They may run and get away from our armies, but they will not get away from God. Verse 25. They have set her a bed in the midst of the slain with all her multitude. Her graves are round about Him, all of them uncircumcised, slain by the sword. Though what? Their terror was caused in the land of the living. Yet have they borne their shame with them that go down to the pit. He is put in the midst of them that be slain. This is not something to, to, smock, to, to laugh at, to mock at, to make fun of. This is hell. This is serious business. 
And God is saying that these nations are going to be there. Notice he says in verse 26, Meshach and Tubal, Russia. Russia will be there. Oh, all the politicians that use Russia as their talking point, they'll probably gloat and be glad that Russia's there. Why? Meshach and Tubal and all her multitude, her graves around about him, all of them uncircumcised, slain by the sword, though they caused their terror in the land of the living. If you would just but go to the Word of God, you would see all these nations that are named. God names them and He says they're terrorists. Why are they terrorists? Because they do terrible things. They incite terror. Verse 28, Yea, Thou shalt be broken in the midst of the uncircumcised and shalt lie with them that are slain in the sword. And there is Edom. Edom is actually an alliance of Arab nations. Notice, her kings, plural. Her princes. That's why it's an alliance. It's more than one place. It's, it's an alliance of all these Arab nations. <coughs> Excuse me which with their might are laid by them that were slain by the sword. They shall lie with the uncircumcised and with them that go down to the pit. They're going to hell. Verse 30, There be princes of the north, all of them, and all of the Zidonians. You know what the Zidonians are? They're the Arabs that live on the Mediterranean coast. All of these enemies of Israel, all those that persecuted Israel... When God says in that tribulation, when Pharaoh in Egypt is finally destroyed and they go there, these nations will be there in hell. Why? Because they re rejected God. And they were terrorists. And I believe they're terrorists because they reject God. I think that there is nothing that someone won't do that's unsaved. If they're unsaved, they don't have the godly influence of God in their life. They're capable of doing anything. And notice what he says, verse 31. Pharaoh shall see them. That's how we know that they will remember, people in hell will remember and be able to think and be able to see. It's not just a spiritual place separated from God. It's a literal place of burning and gnashing and wailing of teeth and remembering all those opportunities when they see them shall be comforted over all his multitude. The only comfort that Pharaoh will have in hell is that all the other Arabs are there that rejected God. And let me tell you, that's not a comfort because it's still hell and all that's going on. In verse 32, notice this. God wants to be crystal clear that everyone knows who caused this. For I have caused my terror in the land of the living, and he shall be laid in the midst of the uncircumcised with them that are slain with the sword, even Pharaoh and all his multitude, saith the Lord God. God wants it to be crystal clear. The reason they're there is they rejected him, and God brought His wrath upon them. They refused to acknowledge Him as God. They refused to repent. They refused to trust Him. And they persecuted Israel. They were full of terror. And as a result of not believing God, they did all kinds of horrible things. And God says, I'm the one that caused them to be there. And people say, well, that's not very gracious. 
Well, terrorism is not very gracious either. As a matter of fact, I would be honest, the fact that any of us are saved is God's grace. None of us are deserving. And I see all of this, and I look at this, and God says, I have caused this, I did this. There are all the nations that go against God in Israel. Remember I told you in one previous study, all of nations that forget God will be turned into hell. And the Scripture is true, and it shows us they are there. They're there, and it is a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in the future, in the tribulation period. That's why it's important that we tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's important that we share the gospel with everyone we can. Guys, listen, we've got to take this matter seriously. Now, I want to say this. This is the prophecy given to Ezekiel concerning Egypt and those Arab nations. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Thank God we're saved. And thank God we won't have to go through the tribulation period. I thank God for that. I have some friends who believe differently um, about end times than I believe. Uh, They believe, some believe that there's no thousand-year millennial reign, and some believe that the church will go through the tribulation period. But I believe the Bible's crystal clear. He will keep us from that hour. That means we will not be in here on this earth when it happens. I, that's my understanding, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And so when I read this, and I see clearly outlined where God says, listen, all these nations that forget God will be turned into hell. If He'll do it to them, He'll do it to America. If America forgets Him and refuses Him and rejects Him, even though He'll protect His remnant, His believers, His faithful, our country could go quickly. But it's unnecessary because all we got to do is look and live. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and receive the perfect payment for our sin. And that's what I think about that. And I think that is the best news available. So.